Welcome to the Puerto Rico News Roundup podcast, prnewsroundup.com. Today is Monday, May 22nd, 2017. I'm glad to have back with me John Mudd, a lawyer and always the entertaining uh, commentator on Puerto Rico. Welcome, John. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks for being back. Uh, so ha- we've had quite a quite a spring. Uh, I haven't haven't been recording uh, much, but but what a spring! Uh, this last week in particular, with the uh, hearing in federal court uh, here in San Juan, you and I were both there. Uh, what what were your general impressions of uh, what happened in front of Judge Swain this week? Well, a lot of it was routine, have, you know, things that have to be done. Uh, the judge, you know, prepared herself very well. She read everything. She is a very likable person. She spoke very nicely, but I've learned a long time ago that what it, you don't look at what judges say, you look at what judges do. And she didn't do anything. Right. Yes. That's, I think that's a pretty important point that a lot of the commentators on Twitter and the other uh, media that you and I checked is people have, in t- have taken what was really, a, in my opinion, a very neutral event and turned this into some sort of predictive modeling of she's going to do this or this. Um, I didn't hear that. Me either. Yeah. And we, we, we both know that we heard basically the same things and people on Twitter, et cetera, were saying things that we didn't hear. And one thing is if I don't hear them, and another thing is if you don't hear them, but if neither of us hears it, it's probably not there. Well, uh, definitely. Uh, the, the, some of the comments that we've seen in terms of, uh, I, I can't even decide if they're quite political in terms of people wanting to, to misinterpret yeah. the information or if it's just people didn't hear it correctly. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but, but I was equally kind of baffled by some of the responses. There weren't there, first of all. Most of the morning and afternoon commentators, well, let me put it this way. None of them were there. I was there. Uh, I think there were there was another there was another lawyer from Puerto Rico, and the rest of the local Puerto Rico lawyers were uh, simply people who were assisting the stateside lawyers. So people who were there com- and commented on the radio and TV, they weren't there. Yeah, I'm afraid that's a pretty common event for for all of us. Uh, mm-hmm. Were there any surprises in the joint administration resolution uh, that that she, uh, well, she said she wanted modifications, but were there any surprises in that for you? Not really. When I looked at it, I go like, these objections are kind of dumb, most of them. There was a point in which, you know, if, if you file something in the, under the government uh, uh, petition, that would come up in the, in the Cofina thing and, and people would have to look at it. But she made a great point. She said, okay, let's do this. If it's uh, only pertains to the government, you state it in the in the in, in the caption. If it only pertains to Cofina, you state it in the caption, and that took care of ninety eight percent of the objections. But the I others, do see Cofina's. Uh, I see the Cofina side's objection to this in the sense that um, I understand why they wanted to separate it out from their oh, yeah. point strategically. It actually uh, would make sense because it. it would put it into a separate category in, in some way. So I understand why they really wanted to do that and filed the 300-plus page, I think that was AMBAC, right, uh, you know, yeah. document uh, that, that Judge Swain just sort of said, yeah, thank you, we're not going to go there yet. Exactly. She's, uh, she knows that in, the, in these start of things that she makes a decision, and, she, and between you and me, I don't think she read the 300-page uh, submission. It's like, give me a break. Uh, she said, no, we'll leave this for later, 
And it makes no sense because she would have to make a decision as to uh, the probability of her dealing with Bofina in a particular manner if she did that, that separation. What did you think of the government? Well, the government. We have so many different parties of government here. We have the Junta. We have uh, the government of Puerto Rico. Uh, the legislature, the executive, we've, and everybody seems to have different representation. But uh, one of the things that, that I saw coming out of the um, Junta's and AFAF's represent, legal representation was, uh, you know, a very uh, complacent, oh gosh, we didn't mean any of those sorts of types of interpretations of uh, the joint resolution, we know, or joint administration. It wasn't meant to do that. How much of that is true and how much of it, it was uh, also a gamble on their part to say, hey, if we can get some of these uh, th these points in, let's go ahead and do it. So how much of it was kind of general, like, oh gosh, we didn't mean that, versus how much of it was actually a strategic play? They meant everything, everything they tried. Let's face it. You saw Weinstock and you saw the people from AFAP. They're all very experienced attorneys. They have gray hairs. Right. And uh, you don't get to do this in the places where they do it without learning a lot. Because in law, everybody thinks that it's important where you went to law school to. Now, that's horse manure. Actually, what is important is what you practice and where you practice. The practice in New York and international practice that a lot of these uh, law firms do is intense. And uh, it's not simple. So well, you, you learn a lot. In that sense, uh, although we, we pretty much agree that very little happened on Wednesday, what we did see, uh, which I think was lost on most people, was really a uh, an overture performance, uh, well well rehearsed performance by all of the major parties. These were well prepared, well uh, right. trained, well healed people who uh, know know this game, and they're gonna they're gonna try every single thing they can. So it, it's it's sort of a well played symphony, it seems to me at this point. You you have it right, uh, and we saw that in the Cofina thing. We all thought you know Cofina senior, Cofina uh, subordinate, but actually there was. Four groups of Kofina there. Yeah, let's talk All about that. That was a. Uh, I have to say, I didn't. I didn't think of at least one of the four. So, uh, back up and, and tell us how we got into that for folks who weren't. Well, ninety nine percent of the people weren't there. So, so explain what you're talking about. Okay. Normally, uh, we all know that there's Kofina senior and there's Kofina subordinate. And so, Kofina subordinate. I'm going to make uh, clear. Most of that, if not all of that, was sold in Puerto Rico, and it's about nine, a little bit over $9 billion. So it's local people. So we all think of in terms of Scofina Senior and Scofina Subordinate. No, 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 no. It's four, at least. What happened was the Mellon Bank, who is the Scofina uh, fiduciary, the trustee, who pays out, has to pay out $120 million by June 1st. And they said, we have four different groups telling us what to do. We have what are called the CABs, which is capital appreciation bonds, which normally are paid principal and interest at the end when they when they mature. That would be in the 2030, 2040, something like that. Now, those people were saying there has been a default because of Law 26, which says that the government of Puerto Rico may take uh, the uh, money that is not used for uh, the administration of a public corporation for its own use. And they're saying that that is a matter of default, okay? Uh, and you have to pay us now, and you have to accelerate the debt and pay us now. Then you have the second group, which is Cofina Seniors, and say, no, 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 that's a little, little default. Pay 
seniors only. Then you have Kofi Nassim saying, no, 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 there's no default. Pay everyone because they're the last to, pay, to get paid. Then there's the Kofina per se, which is represented by AFAF, which is a very bad problem, which I'll, I'll talk about in a minute. It's a conflict of interest, of course. And they're saying, no, 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 that money belongs to Kofina, and therefore it goes into our very, very greedy hands. So um, this is one of those things where we and, and those who do this on a regular basis talk about the complexity of the Puerto Rican debt stack. Yeah. But now we're even getting into the complexity of the complexity of the complexity, right? And we're not even dealing with all of the different types of bonds and different organizations and contractual priority, all, all these different types of priorities. Now we're getting into the details of the way in which uh, different parties within single organizations have different uh, different right. needs. Yeah. So, uh, and you have also the problem there of the um, of the different Cofina people, and that's one of the reasons why they wanted a separate administration to say the government cannot represent Cofina. So why don't and, you go go on and explain what you mean by that? Because that again, if somebody wasn't there, that that's not going to be obvious. Well, for people who really don't know what Cofina really is, Cofina is just a corporation that has maybe two employees, and all they do is issue debt. Because the repayment of the debt goes directly from the vendor to Banco Popular, who is the trust, the trust well, goes to Banco Popular, and then it goes to the Melon Bank. No, okay? what I was talking about, John, wasn't that. It, it's the issue that, uh, that the judge brought up with uh, Afaf and the uh, lawyers on that side saying, uh, you know, do you, you have GEO in your COFINA and the government is effectively, the junta is effectively representing both of them. There's a conflict yeah. of interest in terms of the way in okay. which the government can do that. Oh, okay, that sorry. So, so you have this corporation is part of the government. At the same time, as you very well say, the GEOs is essentially a Commonwealth of Puerto Rico uh, debt. So if you want to take the Cofina money to pay that debt or not, you have a conflict of interest because you can't be in favor of one or in favor of the other. They said, no, we don't have a, any position, but they do have it because they pay Cofina all this time. And they did pass this law, which says that anything that goes, um, that is uh, left over from paying the expenses of the corporation is is money that the government can use. And that would be, I mean, that's Cofina, period. And therefore, there is an issue of, uh, of uh, conflict of interest in such a way that, that the board said during the hearing, you know, we're considering getting a fiduciary to represent Cofina. And everybody in the Cofina side saying, we're saying, no, 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 we can represent Cofina. Who would that be, et cetera. So it's, it's another big issue that the judge will have to deal with. Right, again, we're getting into, uh, we're, we've turned into a courtroom battle where we're really mm -hmm. dealing with uh, now the, the weapons of war, of, of law, uh, mm -hmm. more than, than Congress or the other uh, realms that we've been in. Uh, let's talk about Title III. Uh, so on, on Wednesday, uh, the judge mm -hmm. asked about Title III and HTA uh, to a FAF, and tell us what they said and then tell us what's changed since then. Well... They started off saying, you know, there is uh, these uh, clawbacks and that we uh, are going to uh, put the HTA into Title III. That, they said that on Wednesday. That was maybe the first 15 minutes of the hearing. And I'm going, okay, we knew that, but, you know, it's good to know they're going to file. And as we know, they filed today. We'll go into that later. So 
it's like different parts of the government of Puerto Rico. Every time there is a bondholder or, well, in this case has been bondholders, uh, filing a complaint, immediately the government uh, files for a title there. And it's, they can continue doing this because there's different, uh, there's 18 issuers of debt in Puerto Rico. So you're going to have that happening. And we only have four of them right now in, in Title III. But in terms of, uh, so, so update us on, on what else happened today in terms of, of Title III. Okay. Well, actually, it happened uh, after I went to bed. Around 11 something at night, they announced that they were going to file for um, the Highway Transportation Authority and they were going to file for, and this is very important. The employee retirement system of the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico and the judiciary. Yeah, it's the yeah. second part that I found interesting. Yeah, uh, what happens is that when you look at the petition and you look at it in English, it doesn't say the judiciary. But when you see it in Spanish, because it's a part in which they put the whole name of it, you go like, wait a second, it says the judiciary. And that's important because there is a complaint that was stayed, but there was a complaint in which the association of the judiciary branch was uh, attempting to block the title three filing of this uh, of the retirement system saying that you cannot do that because uh, the the constitution of Puerto Rico is a federal law and as a federal law uh, promesa has not occupied the uh, has, is not preempted blah 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 I don't think that's gonna uh, uh, win at the end but it's there, and I'm that sure that is before Judge Swain now. No, no, that was filed in a separate uh, complaint, and Judge Bezosa stated, "I'm sure that they will file an adversary proceeding or some other type of motion to have the stay lifted or something to get a remedy there, because their claim and they have valid points. Nobody negotiated with them to uh, get uh, an idea of uh, an early settlement." I'm sure the government did some type of negotiations with bondholders, but not with the retirees. That is for sure. Yeah, Kofi, uh, excuse me, Coffee, uh, whose identity we don't know, but go back and forth with all day on Twitter, uh, made some comment about the uh, Fortaleza uh, press release for this. And it, it was, it was just like they were following a checklist of what Promesa mm -hmm. says they have to say they've done. And it was just checked. Check, 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 you know, negotiations, consensual negotiations, et cetera, et cetera. About that, that's very important because during the Cofina presentation, one of the Cofina um, creditors said clearly, we were not provided with a copy of the draft certified financial statements of 2015-16. Now, 206 a of, of PROMESA specifically states that the uh, debtor, before it can go into Title III, has to present them. And I and after uh, the hearing, I asked the lady, who was a female attorney, uh, who was probably the only, there were only two female attorneys actually speaking there, talk about, you know, sexism. And she confirmed that she had not received those that documentation. And in general, the Cofina people were complaining about the documentation they received in the negotiations. How much, I want to just just briefly go into this, but how much of an issue do you think it's going to be, even if they had provided financials that were draft, uh, so much of the discussions that we've had for years at this point are that we don't have audited financials. PROMESA clearly does not require audited financials, but, no, but what is the reaction going to be of uh, the creditors when, uh, when and if the, the government presents financials that the market finds uh, suspect? 
I mean, w aren't we back in the same realm of, of nobody believing the numbers? Uh, yeah, there's a complicated issue there. There's one thing is the, 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 the drafts. But when the financials come out, it doesn't mean that they're sacred and nobody can do anything about it. You're going to have a battle of experts. You're going to have people on one side, people on another side, saying, you know, this is not the way it is. It's this way. Okay? Now, the judge will have to rule on that, and the judge has experience on this. She was a bankruptcy judge, and she's dealt with financials before. So, but she has to decide, and obviously the, the board will have certain uh, home court advantage in terms that, you know, they're the uh, entity that has no uh, interest in the litigation. A crock of, you know what, but still, they're going to argue that. And they have, a, as I said, home court advantage. It doesn't mean that it will take anything they say is true. So, uh, now that we've talked about Gofina and, and uh, the pensions and GEO, we could go into depth, depth on that. But I think it's better to back up, perhaps, and yeah. talk about... Uh, Judge Swain, when she mm -hmm. uh, introduced herself in the beginning, she said very clearly, there's not enough the money to pay everybody, and I know that the, the Geo-Cofina issue has to be resolved before yeah. we go anywhere. Yeah. Um, um, that was what everybody have... talked about. It didn't. We didn't get anywhere near that, but what do you think the next steps are there, and, and do you think this pushes, uh, the demeanor that you saw on Wednesday uh, pushes toward mediation against it or in, in any particular uh, particular direction? Well, first of all, there's people who were extremely upset with what, by what she said, and they were even asking for her to uh, withdraw because she had uh, prejudged the thing. Maybe. I can see this. What, what was the comment? Uh, several people commented on that. But, but uh, I don't even understand the comment. They said what? That she had prejudged because she said that, the Puerto, Rico, that Puerto Rico did not have enough money to pay its debts. There's people, uh, respected economists, who think that Puerto Rico does have the money to pay its debts. It just needs a bridging loan. For example, Carlos Colón de Armas. Uh, and, he's, and George Bezosa actually bought the argument in his opinion on, on Brigade. He did stay the case, continue to stay, but he did make a footnote, page 45, footnote 12. And it's like, whoa, really strong, saying that, as Dr. Colón de Armas said, the court believes Puerto Rico can pay its debts. But Interesting. That, I remember that Colón de Armas has, has said that in the past, but I hadn't really uh, put, hadn't thought about that in context of, of what she said. Uh, yes. That's interesting. I hadn't, hadn't looked at it that way. So uh, I, I guess think... it, again, it gets backed into how do you want to look at something? I mean, there's a basic view where it's sort of obvious that, that this isn't, that, that there's not enough going around. But then there are these, uh, you know, these, technically correct and then you can see how those arguments are made mm -hmm. as well that uh the judge is is gonna gonna face but but bottom line she's not gonna make everybody happy in any case and oh, no, she no, doesn't no. have yeah. to at this point judge roberts no, approved her and and she's she's now got this to go with wherever she wants and she's gonna go into mediation she's she actually asked about mediation i thought the board was very arrogant in which they didn't address the issue I raised the fact that, Your Honor, I came here to, to discuss mediation, but the board has not, not mentioned it, so I'm not going to say anything. But certainly uh, her, her demeanor uh, certainly suggested to me that she was heading, heading in that direction. Uh, she well, stopped well, everything cold and basically mm -hmm. said, you guys go figure it out. When you figure mm -hmm. it out, come back to me, and, and after you've negotiated, I'll, I'll okay it. Or not, but basically she go off she, and come back yeah. later. 
she can't dismiss the case in the first 120 days because of Section 304. So she knows that she can get away with basically doing nothing as, except for the real things that she must do, like the Cofina uh, motion uh, on uh, Mellon Bank. But she can just, you know, okay, guys, you know, get together, do these things, and she's going to, like, not do much for those first four months. And then she has to decide. Cofina, I mean, not Cofina Promesa, a different from other laws, has a, a, a part which specifically states that judge must decide things quickly. And the First Circuit, in the reversal of the Altair uh, claim, reminded Judge Bezos of that. It was very interesting in that sense. So so she may have to decide things quicker after the first 120 days. And for all we know, we may have some agreements in the first 120 days. I don't think so, because the board is complete, continues to say, this is the fiscal plan. We are not going to change it. You have to accept it. And that's not a negotiation. Negotiation is you offer me a million dollars. They say, no, I need three. And they say, well, I can give you maybe 110. That kind of stuff. But not when you can't move. When parties don't move from their positions, forget about it. There's no, there's no agreement. Well, uh, we're not going to go into this, but, but it are, you're also describing the UPR uh, battle right yes. now where there's, there is really oh. no negotiation, uh, yet it's being cast as such. There's, there's nothing, uh, no dis negotiation of, of substance. Um, so the, kind of the, the final thing I want to talk about was uh, what happened last week was the GDB mm -hmm. offer. Let's talk about that. Oh. <laughs> the GDB, GDB offer, let me, we have to make a little history. In the brigade litigation in which I sat down for the hearings, one of the experts, and nobody contradicted him, said by April we had an agreement with the government of a 53, 5, 3% uh, haircut on our debt. That means that they would be paid 47%. Then the government changed it to uh, help the cooperatives, and we didn't agree, blah, blah, blah. Now we have a group that will get 55%, 55 cents on a dollar, and there's another group who will get 60 cents, and there's a third group that will get 75 cents on the dollar, which is much more than they were going to have in the beginning. And why is that when the board is doing the contrary. It's cutting uh, agreements that the previous administration wanted to do, cutting it to the bone. Well, my take is that, first of all, uh, they know that the agreement can be done as long as the municipalities pay their debt because the, the GDB, uh, what they're going to do with the agreement is they're going to take the um, the loans that are uh, GDB uh, that GDB made, which not all of them are to municipalities, they're also to HTA, so they won't get that back. And the municipalities will continue paying, but at some point, because they're they're being taken money away from them, they won't be able to, and it's very likely that they will go into Title Three also. So that deal goes down the tubes. So and look at this, look at it from this point of view. It is a Title VI, let's assume that they get everything done. It's a Title VI, but Title VI, I mean, 206A of MSS says that even if you have an agreement under Title VI, if the agreement cannot be paid and the board so certifies, it can go into Title III again, I mean, for the first time. So are we so doing one more pause? What we haven't said, but that other folks who followed this long enough will know that... that at least I, I won't speak for you, but, but I think this is a, 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 an attempt to cover the co-ops. The, oh, the, yeah. the crisis oh, yeah. of the co-ops who own these 
uh, own the, uh, the majority of that GDB data, or certainly a lot of it, uh, are insolvent. Uh, there have been all sorts yeah. of special laws, that, well, mm -hmm. one specific special law that allows them to not mm -hmm. use mark-to-market um, and other things. So is this, uh, to me, this is one more uh, way to kick the can down the road. We can see okay. how to, to hold off right now, not raise the issue of, of uh, solvency for mm -hmm. the co-ops, not to, to cause a run, um, and fully aware that we'll have to deal with this down the line. Uh, but the interesting thing about that, which we, you and I have talked about that, other folks have talked about that, is the position that we're talking about now would have required the board to be on uh, in agreement with the government to do this, right? So yeah. that, that implies a, that's a new level of negotiation within the power structure to, to, to kick it, the can down the road. The way it works is that um, the board has to be presented with over 50% of the debt in bonds has to agree to present the qualifying modification to the board. The board looks at it. The board says, yes, you go vote on it, or no, you don't go vote on it. If it goes, no, you, don't, you can't do anything about it. If it says yes, then you go in a process in which they have to look at who are the creditors, blah, blah, blah. And then you have to have two-thirds of this um, uh, the total amount of bonds in terms of money and 50% of the number of creditors, bond creditors, have to agree to it. And then the board certifies. And then it goes to Judge Swain, who says, okay, uh, all the requirements of Title VI, only that, have been complied with, so everything's copacetic. Yeah, wow. Just listening to you describe the steps, which of course I know as well. But you know, we are so far away from each oh. one. Each one of those steps, in and of itself, for each component that we're talking, each organization that we're talking about in Title Three and Title Six, we we're you know years away from getting any of this resolved. It seems to me. Actually, they wanted to have everything done by June, June or July. Well, I mean, that's in the RSA. In what? Oh, in the RSA. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, physically it, it impossible. Been, well, I'm just telling you what the... No, but I mean, can you, can you help the, me follow, understand that? I mean, that's a month from now, and they want to do all of these steps. Uh, the judge has said she's even not like, her next omnibus is when, in late June? Late June. Uh, yeah, but so, you, can, you, you can do it if you actually had... If, if they had told me that they had already the 50%, so the board would say, yes, let's go vote, I would say, oh, okay, maybe. But you have to have that, and you have to have the two-thirds. But I think they'll get it, because, as you said, this is only a bailout for the uh, cooperatives. Uh, Bonitas El Patio has already said, oh, this is a great idea. And it, essentially what it is, is it gives the cooperatives time to get more cash and get their uh, financial house in order, knowing, of course, that some of them will still go down the tubes when, when eventually everything is filed on the title three. Well, again, we could go down that, that path and ask more questions like, well, where is the money to uh, go going to come into the co-ops to, uh, to grow the, the solvency and grow the stability? And, and that's a very valid question of, of, of question yeah. whether it could even exist. But uh, the, the co-ops are, are something that I hope we're going to do something uh, soon with, cause it's, uh, do a show, because it's just an incredibly fascinating mm -hmm. uh, subtopic of this. So I uh, want to wrap up. 
uh, going forward, what do you see from here uh, in terms of, of next steps? Uh, where do, what, what's, what's coming up? Well, we have, a, um, I'm, I'm going to discuss this in terms of the impact and the uh, insolvency, bankruptcy actually, of the, of the government has. For example, uh, finally this year, the uh, special education kids were finally going to get some money, compensation, because of all the discrimination they have received. This is so a many... federal case that's been yes. going on for a long time in Puerto Rico. Uh, it's an ongoing uh, issue with, um, what, are they, what are they called in English? The uh, It's not special communities, it's... Uh, no, it's uh, is special... It yeah, special education kids. Special education, yeah. That's it's, but it's special communities anyway. So, but it's special education kids who who have certain needs filed a, a lawsuit in federal court years ago. Judge Gelpi's yeah. been working on it, uh, and so now you're saying that there's there was a payment coming due. So now now I'll go. From there were there. payments coming due, and they were you know telling people you have to register so you can get paid, and it was stayed. The government asked for it to be stayed. There's other cases, and I've received um, messages from lawyers. Listen, uh, I got this day. Uh, what do I do now? And I'm like, well, either hire me or find out yourself. But uh, it's very difficult uh, when you have a, a debt with the government, and all of a sudden you were in the process of getting paid or, or in the process of getting the, the, the debt determined, how much it was, etc. And now you can't do anything. And that's what... That's a huge problem. I have uh, people who have um, leases with the government. They lease property to the government. Now the government is not paying. So what do you do? Um, there's you can go on and on and on and on. What do you do? Yeah, each one of these things has a specific, not even answer, but a specific realm of uh, problems that you have to look at. And everybody wants to throw it all in one bucket and say. Here. Yeah. And you can't, right? Because it's it's so many different aspects of law and business and finance, and it's just incredibly complicated. You really have to look at each individual claim to see what you can do. As I tell people, I mean, there's there are claims in which you should fight out. There are claims in which you can't do anything, and there are claims in which uh, depends on what you want to do. Right. Everybody's going to have to make some some difficult decisions as we get through this. Um, anything else you want to touch on from uh, or your impressions of the case that that we didn't get to? Um, I think you you remember me saying that it wasn't. I didn't think it was a good idea for the government of Puerto Rico to go into bankruptcy, and we're seeing the incredible amount of complications that the bankruptcy is is bringing. The, well, you saw the 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 the, uh, the courtroom uh, full of lawyers and a big bunch of them were paid by you, your taxes and my taxes. Yeah. And that, that, to me, is very scary. Well, but we've been through years of this with uh, Milstein, too. I mean, this is this is an ongoing uh, issue where many, many, uh, I mean, it's at this point, difficult. hundreds of millions of dollars, right, have gone to um, mm -hmm. assessoria and abogados. If you, we look at the Detroit bankruptcy, which was, in terms of bond, I mean, the, well, actually, it was 124. I was 18 billion in Detroit, which includes the retirees. If we include the right retirees, ours is 123 billion dollars. Right, and that's I think about six times the or six or seven times the amount. And in the, uh, of Detroit, in Detroit, in terms of lawyers and experts, the uh, city spent 178 
million dollars. So if we talk about eight times, it's more than a million dollars, billion dollars, it's six times or seven times, it's more than a billion dollars. And it may take between 16 months, which was Detroit, or four years, over four years, which was city of San Bernardino. So imagine that. Well, thanks as always for uh, giving uh, or having a conversation with me and, and uh, giving us all the information that, that only you can provide. So uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay, no problem. Take care. That's today's Roundup show. You can reach me on Twitter at at Gillam Hall, G-I-L-L-A-M-H-A-L-L. You can reach John at at Mudlaw, M-U-D-D-L-A-W. More information on the podcast at prnewsroundup.com. Subscription feeds are available on iTunes and Stitcher.